1: Excited. Excited for you. We Hello, welcome on today's episode. We have Christine Tiley. She is a lady in direct response in Australia. She's in martial arts, but I'm not too sure she got her black belt yet. But um, it's an inspiring thing. Um, and she has an amazing story of how she's turned her life upside down to pursue her dreams in martial arts, business, life, and so on. She's a mom and, oh my God, this woman has a lot to offer. Hello, welcome to show, Christine. How are you doing today?
0: Hello, Aaron, what a lovely intro. So nice to be here.
1: Excellent. Tell me what it's like to be born rare, is it living in Australia and where, where did your life begin?
0: Wow, okay, well, I'm very uh, lucky to be in Australia. We live near the beach and we make the most of, of that. And um, we have, yeah, have a great life here these days. We've certainly been through a few challenges, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about, but life is great at the moment. We're very grateful for that.
1: And are you born rare in Australia, or do you kind of immigrate? Or tell us about that.
0: Yeah, no, I'm. I'm Aussie, born and bred. Always lived lived in Aussie. I was born in Sydney and moved around a bit. My parents um, were university academics, and so as career advancement opportunities arose, we would move to wherever that university was. So I went to um, seven different primary schools. Um, So that was by the time I was age 12. (laughs) So quite a bit, quite a lot of moving around the country. But it was um, a great, a great formative experience for me because I learned very easily how to meet people and make friends. And I think that's been an amazing skill for life.
1: Being able to move around to seven different schools, that, that must have been an amazing adjustment to be able to go through that, you know.
0: I kind of, in a way, um, became exhilarating. I got used to leaving friends and making new friends. And um, one of the amazing things about technology is that some of the friends that I'd made in those early formative years, I'm now connected with on Facebook. And that's just so lovely because at the time, all we could do was be pen friends. So I would write letters to pen friends all around the countryside. And I felt like, everywhere I looked I had friends everywhere and it was such a a wonderful way to view my life at at a time where it could have been looked at differently that I was always losing friends and leaving friends but no I just felt like I was sprouting new ones everywhere.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is that why you found it exhilarating?
0: Yeah I think so It it was fun there was always a new house to explore a new neighborhood new friends to make and um I guess my my parents helped me to see it in that way as an adventure rather than as a negative, always losing and and leaving. So I, I guess I was lucky to have that formative experience and outlook from an early age.
1: You know, you say about pen pals, it's kind of my age too. I'm, I'm in my thirties and, you know, I've grown up writing letters, but it just shows you how technology's kind of made us so narrower together where we can, you know, have friends that we haven't met in numbers of years in different schools and now we're friends and we get to chat with them and see how their lives are. It's amazing, isn't it?
0: Yes, it's just wonderful. It's great when technology is used for such fabulous things.
1: It, it sure is. The martial arts, did you discover that at a young age or is that something you kind of in, discovered in your adult
0: life? Kind of a little bit of both. I took it up. I, I was very, very big in dancing um, for most of my formative, my young young years. But as I reached the end of high school, I um, left dancing and because um, it was so many hours and I couldn't, do both my final school leaving certificate and keep up that um, sheer number of hours of dancing I was doing it was 25 roughly hours a week. So I left dancing then and took up karate with my brother and that was only a few hours a week, but I, I loved it, I really loved it. I only did it for a couple of years. I made it to Brown Belt and it was such a huge regret not continuing. When I moved away to university, uh, there wasn't um, a dojo that I I wanted to join where I lived that was you know, convenient because I didn't have a car, so I couldn't access very many options. And so I left karate and I took it up again three years ago, three and a bit years ago now. And that was after I'd had a um, a series of strokes and pseudoaneurysms on the brain and i'd been told that i was extremely lucky to be alive there was one particular night where they didn't they actually didn't think with any great confidence that i would live through the night and my biggest regret other than leaving my family was damn it i never got that black belt <laughs> and the next <laughs> the next morning they told me um, you're lucky You're lucky that you can walk, even though that was a struggle, even down the hospital corridor was, was a struggle. But they said, you'll never run again. You'll never play any kind of sport again. And I told them on the spot, no, I am not going to accept that. I am going to prove you wrong. I'm going to get my black belt in karate. And that was met by um, concerned people um, disbelief and almost mockery but I guess I was determined and I don't have my black belt yet but I am the Australian national champion in Qatar for my age division and on on our state karate team and loving every minute of my martial arts journey and looking forward hopefully the end of this year if we don't have any more lockdowns preventing it um, that I um, will be able to achieve my black belt this year. And I am really looking forward to showing it to that neurologist who predicted I wouldn't even be able to run, let alone to be able to do karate.
1: <laughs> I know, it shows you how they, someone places an impossible task. And you just want to be like, I'm doing this and this happens. And that's your point, you know?
0: That's right. I think I'm, I'm stubborn. <laughs> <But> <laughs> it, it's serving me well. It's not, it hasn't been an easy journey. I remember the first few classes of, of karate, um, I couldn't train for the first three months because I had to be able to to walk consistently and and build up a base. I couldn't go straight from the hospital to the dojo. So it took me six months, three to six months to get some kind of base. But my first few classes at karate even doing the most basic moves like a punch was difficult because you as you put one hand forward the other one has to come back (laughs) and that um and there are some moves that cross the midline where you know where you're blocking and it was so incredibly difficult for my brain to process moves like that and learning kata that i could probably pick up in one or two classes now would take me six to eight weeks of um, lots and lots of practice, even outside the dojo, just to be able to remember the sequence of moves. But as they were following up with me at the neurologist, um, they could see the development in my brain, and it was just—it's just been fascinating to watch what has been um, has been happening in my brain. One of my arteries. Um, my right carotid artery is nearly fully blocked, but what's happened is that there's been so much um, new development in my brain of um, additional blood flow taken from the left side of my brain um, in to feed the right side that wasn't getting enough before. All that development has has occurred, and they just are amazed and one of the things they put it down to is the martial arts and helping to reinvigorate the side of my brain that was um, not very happy. (laughs) Um,
1: Explain to us, so did you have a stroke or what happened to the nervous system to actually stop and to help you rebuild yourself back to where you are now?
0: Yeah, I I had a series of strokes and They ended up discovering it took 14 specialists, 14 different people to work out what was going on because I had such a huge range of unusual symptoms and I had none of the risk factors for stroke. I was fit, healthy, active. I was a regular runner. I'd never smoked, never drank. I ate a healthy diet. So it wasn't assumed. People didn't think that it would be a stroke. So they checked me for They checked me for so many other things um, to try and put it together, what was going on. And eventually they did um, an MRI um, on my neck and discovered that I had um, tears in both my carotid arteries. And it's an injury that is usually seen after a car accident um, where the neck has had serious impact. Um, but I hadn't had any kind of accident. Nothing. Um, nothing that could have led to such tears um, that we can that we can think of. But nothing happened. So um, uh, they think that I had um, s- some kind of weakness in the in the arteries that had led to the tears, and the tears were creating um, clots in my arteries and. Um, scar tissue was building up with these tears as well and it was sending clots to my brain and it started out as small clots so I was having um, strange things like I couldn't feel my arm one day and then the next day I couldn't feel my other leg or um, then there was another day where I couldn't speak um, for a period of time and then um, there were other days where I couldn't walk because um, my sensory patterns were strange like i couldn't i couldn't tell where the ground was so it was very very strange um feeling so it, all sorts of bizarre things and then um it started getting worse and worse as obviously the tears were getting bigger and um so the clots were were forming um, larger and so it, it was it kind of a series of smaller strokes getting to bigger and bigger and bigger ones and it got to the point where once they finally worked out what was going on they said we've caught this only just in time they said if I had picked up my son who um, was then four years old that I would have um, almost certainly completely torn the arteries through and died um, so it was incredible luck and the Um, The specialist that picked it up, there's only one or two cases per year in Australia like mine, so it's not something that most specialists are familiar with or know to look for, Um, but the specialist that um, happened, my case happened to come across his desk and caught it just in time, had seen in his career another case like me, so he, he knew what was going on. So I'm very grateful, I feel like I've had a second chance at life and therefore at going for my dreams and when you know that you're lucky to be here it takes away a lot of the fear of um going for your dreams because if i figure well maybe i'm meant to maybe i'm meant to be here and um i've got nothing to lose do i every day's bonus yeah so it just gives a whole different perspective uh, on on everything.
1: You know, there's two questions to this. You must have been scared experiencing those experiences, but at the same time you feel right now, I'm very lucky that this doctor came across my case and I'm still living and I can still get to do what I want to do at the same time, you know.
0: Oh absolutely. I feel um it's funny, I didn't feel scared ever. I felt um I felt sad i felt sad at the thought of leaving my family and um that particular night um my daughter was in hospital as well so i couldn't even have my husband there to be there with me because he was in the ward directly below where i was in the children's part of the hospital with my daughter and she was fighting leukemia and she was she had a really tough road and a tough battle as well and I guess I drew my strength from her because she she approached everything with a smile at uh, everything. She she would sing her way through chemotherapy some days, and um, she is just a, a blessing to, to me and to the world. And I drew strength from her. If she could approach her diagnosis which was originally two weeks to live with um a kind of determined positivity then it never once crossed my mind really that um i wasn't going to be able to achieve what i wanted to and once i lived through that night and realized no i'm here my family needs me i am going to do something with my life um then that determined positivity kicked in massively for me as well. And even though my goal was huge to get a black belt at a time where I couldn't even walk down the hospital corridor, I focused on just little improvements, little bit every day, every day. And it's only three and a half years later and I'm on the state karate team. And I guess I, I hope that my story inspires people that, might be in a really bad place right now. If they can focus on just tiny improvements day by day, it's just about consistency and persistence. And you can defy the odds and go amazing places. And my daughter taught me that. And um, she's now been in remission for three years and is an incredible light she's just such a a beautiful caring person and we do a lot of charity work because she wants to give back to other kids like her and um i feel that very very lucky to have such a special soul in my care
1: yeah even listening to it sounds very special how you you know she inspired you to get up kind of like in a cry match and fight for your life to help her life. And it just shows us that sometimes our own family members inspire us to be the, the amazing being we are in some way, you know?
0: Yeah, I feel very, very lucky. And I feel that both of us are meant to be here. We've both defied the odds and we're giving back in every possible way that we can maybe our story will inspire somebody maybe the funds that we raise for charities will will be the spark that that makes a difference for somebody in their hour of need i'm not quite sure but we're doing everything that we can to give back and pay forward and leave this world a a better place for all
1: that's that's what we all we all want and From looking and watching your stuff, I get the feeling that you know, as a mom, you're helping your daughter. But I get the feeling both you use karate as your way to bond and yes, do your things at the same time. You know,
0: absolutely. And my son is now nine, and he is on the state karate team with me, and it is just such a such a special experience to do to do that with him, to share that with him. We're the only mother and son team <laughs> and <laughs> it's it's just wonderful. I'm in the older stage division and he's in the younger stage division. <laughs> but we're both proudly representing our state and have in our dreams to represent our country together uh, in the future. And uh, so that's just been such a wonderful experience with him And uh, Sophie, my my little one who beat leukemia, she's not on the state team, but we do so much training together and competing together. So I feel really lucky. Our whole family is involved in martial arts. My husband is following a passion in the Muay Thai field and um, the rest of us are into karate, but we all train at the same dojo. We're very lucky.
1: Wow, that that's amazing and wow when you have a whole family it makes life life easier. And um but I wonder you know, I know nothing about karate until and from what I've seen on movies, but I, I do believe getting to the state division the must take a lot of time and effort. Tell us about how like what is it like to get to there? Is it like performing for a club or your your state or what is it like?
0: Yeah, well, um we we train a lot with our dojo locally and they're amazing, incredibly supportive and um, to, to, tra- to go with the state team requires us to travel a couple of hours each way, um, well, t- twice last week but usually it's only every couple of weeks and um, to, tra- to train with the team there and uh, to compete for the team also requires quite a bit of travel uh, so it's it's quite a commitment but when it, it's a passion and a joy we count down the days until we go so we feel very very lucky to have that as part of our our lives and i'm fortunate i've got to say I'm very fortunate that i run my own business so it's incredibly flexible for, to allow me to be able to follow my passion
1: yeah, when we love our passion and have a business like that, it's excellent. What business do you do?
0: So, I'm in the direct sales industry and have a global organization turning over 20 million roughly per year and it's such a such a joy of mine as well. I guess I my gratitude for the kind of business and the industry that I'm in went to a whole new level when Sophie was diagnosed with leukemia in 2016 because that's when I realised that with a flexible business like that and an income from that business meant that I could be still bringing in an income from her hospital room where we spent months in hospital and everybody else with a child fighting such a serious disease has to give up their career, they have to drop everything and once their sick leave runs out, that's it. There's nothing and we're very fortunate here in Australia that there are charities that help out um, in times of crisis like that but that only goes so far. They can't pay your whole mortgage for you know the um, amount of time that your child may be in hospital for. So I saw families in severe financial crisis on top of the emotional distress of a critically ill child. So that's when I realized that direct sales provides a kind of security and safety net that I hadn't really fully realized how important that is. So part of my passion has become to encourage more people to take it up, even if it's just a sideline a hobby an extra income stream to provide that additional security for their families and it's turned out to be a hugely important safety net for people throughout the pandemic as well because so many people in australia lost their jobs or um, whilst locked down had no income so having that extra income stream has been vital um, through this last crazy couple of years as well and I hadn't foreseen that coming of course but because I'd already been on this mission of in, encouraging people to have that additional income stream as a safety net, it's been such a vital safety net for so many people and I feel very strongly about the importance of that in an, you know, unstable times but even... When stability returns, having that safety net, you don't know what's around the corner. I never would have guessed that my daughter was going to get cancer. She was a healthy, bright, bubbly, gorgeous little thing, and I—I I n- never smoked, never drank, didn't eat junk food <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> regularly. Regularly run. You wouldn't put. You wouldn't pick me as having those kinds of major health issues at 40 <laughs> maybe you know at 80 but not at 40 no. <laughs> so, um, so you just can't you can't pick it you can't tell I've lost close friends who were were super fit and healthy in their 30s to cancer you just you just don't know and I guess that's Part of my mission to encourage people to think about an additional income stream because you just don't know when it could be the thing that really holds you together and, and keeps your family going.
1: So you said this is your mission, when you say by your mission is that part of your business or is this the, the charity that you feel you have to set up for the family or is it kind of all wrapped up up, up all as one?
0: Yeah, I I see it as all all wrapped up. Um, I don't have my own charity. I support um, childhood cancer charities. We have some amazing ones in Australia. I'm an ambassador for one called Red Kite and do a lot of work with them. Um, And I guess it's just a personal mission that I'm referring to is to inspire, to encourage and to, um, to support people and whether that's a, a safety net for income purposes or whether it's a, a safety net for health and um, inspiring people who have found themselves in challenging health circumstances just to look you know but tiny incremental improvements to move forward.
1: Yeah. And I would also guess, you know, your background in sport and business, you're always looking for that, that extra edge or that extra bonus or that extra whatever it is to enhance your own life and others at the same time.
0: Yes, absolutely. And the, sometimes it's the tiniest little things that can make a really big difference. And it's looking for the ways to, to press down on a lever that is going to help you make the biggest possible change for the smallest possible input. And um, that's something that I had to learn throughout Sophie's illness and and my recovery was what is important time-wise in my business. I had to learn, okay, I don't have quite the same amount of time to put in, so what are the important things? What's going to make the biggest difference? And I guess... Coming to elite sport at an older age has a similar philosophy behind it. I can't throw 30 hours a week at my sport like some of the teenagers or the, the 20-somethings can. I think I'd start getting too many injuries. <laughs> so I I have to be smarter with my sport and work out um, ways to get the best bang for my buck and work out what is going to give me the the best return on the time that I'm putting in and um, one of the things that I do is I I regularly see an amazing physio who is an ex-elite athlete himself so he really understands the requirements on the body but I don't see him for any injury, I see him for injury prevention and um, he has helped to assess the areas of my body that are most at risk Um, due to the nature of my sport and is helping me with structures and exercises to strengthen muscles um, in such a way that should give me longevity in the sport. I have visions of me in my 70s inspiring people with what I can still do. But if I don't invest properly in ensuring that longevity, then it's not going to just (laughs) materialise.
1: So you'll be a, a Mrs. My, you know, the, the karate kid kind of uh, instructor in your 70s then, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. Mr. Miyagi, eat your <laughs> <at. laughs>
1: <laughs> And is that your, like, I get the feeling that you, that will be you, you know, if the way you're describing about your sport and the passion I hear. It's like, i am doing this till my last breath, you know?
0: Absolutely, 100%. I feel very lucky to have found such a something I enjoy so much um, a little later in life or rediscovered it a little later in life and it's yeah it's just such a blessing and it's a great way to deal with stress as well I find when I go onto the mat if there's something that's been upsetting me um, in life business work um, the world once I go onto the mat I forget it all and i'm focused partly because if you're not focused you'll trip over someone or you'll get hit (laughs) you have to be you have to be in the moment (laughs) but um i love that i love that you have to be because there's no other choice I, i just forget about all other worries and whatever anybody has in their life that does that for them then they should be doing more of it i have a friend once she gets into her kitchen that's it she lights up it is she just goes into the zone in her kitchen and she gets the same um I guess mental benefit from her cooking as I do from my karate everybody has something different that lights them up that helps them switch off from their worries and whatever it is they've, they've got to find it and they've got to do more of it
1: I, I totally agree uh saying that's come into my mind Oh, uh horses for different courses you know
0: yeah that's right
1: yeah um do you, i know you and i met through positive prime and probably the martial arts and everything do you use positive prime to help you with your preparation for your training or your or your matches
0: absolutely i feel like that's one of my secret weapons one of those shortcut hacks to success i <laughs> I positively prime myself prior to, um, to every tournament, every competition. I, um, I invest quite a bit of time making sure that I am in the best positive mental state that I can be. And, oh, you know, one of the amazing things about positive prime is that three minutes is all that it takes. Mm-hmm. It's just about remembering to do it and being consistent with it. I do it every single day because whether I'm competing or not, I, I like to be in my best possible state and I never watch the news especially over this last two years oh my goodness it's been just depressing so I like to keep myself in, in a, a positive state looking for the good in the world and positive prime helps me to to achieve that and i am a massive devotee i love 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 positive prime i think everybody should be positively priming whatever their life circumstances are but particularly anybody with a goal and anybody with any kind of challenge in their life um particularly a health challenge if you can positively prime your mind throughout some kind of health challenge that has got to be doing good things i'm no scientist but i am walking proof that it's doing good things
1: i i hear here on my my end of using it myself and it just it's great to hear another athlete who's in their sports having a similar experience of how it's affecting them because you know they say as a therapist you know what fits for me may not fit for you but it seems like it's having some similar effect but different outcomes you know
0: yeah absolutely i i can't imagine there would be anybody in the planet that wouldn't benefit from it it's just such an amazing tool and so it's amazing isn't it something that seems so simple but it's not so much science behind it and and I, it's just so powerful, so I I really really love it, and I feel that it's played quite an important role in my life in um, in these last couple of years where we've had challenges and being able to grow my business since um, finding Positive Prime. And I can't <laughs> I can't say directly that that's the what happened, but since what, finding Positive Prime. My health has gone from strength to strength and I've managed to get myself onto the state karate team. Sophie's remission is just mind-blowing and she's so healthy and my business has grown from 3.5 million to 20 million. So many amazing things have materialised in my life. Around about the time we found positive (laughs) primes. it's like... "Mm." There's a lot of coincidences there, <laughs> but um, it's it's certainly something that I yeah I am very very determined to share with the world and to um, to continue using myself. It's just such a wonderful tool.
1: Where does that inner determination come from?
0: Ooh, well, I think, I think some of it was inspired by my daughter and her approach to, um, to life and to, to everything that she does. I think some of it came from my mother who um, was a woman in a very male-dominated domi- field in academia and universities in the 80s and 90s. a a very rare person. She was the founding dean of a university campus here in Australia. And as a female, that's remarkable. Even to this day, females at the top in academia are not, um, it's not equally weighted. But in the 80s, she was very, very rare. So I think I grew up seeing a kind of um, determination um, I've probably just absorbed, I've channeled it in different ways and made different choices with my life. But I'm sure that an element of that was instilled in me by watching what my mother was able to achieve. And uh, I'm sure that's had an impact. Yeah,
1: I would say that also has an impact of your goal setting, the getting the black belt in karate. I know it's it's an element, but I get the feeling that's what's fueling your drive in your your sport and your business at the same time, you know?
0: Yeah. I I think um I think it, it flows together. If you've achieved a certain amount of success in one field, you have confidence in your abilities even if you are putting it into a completely different field you know that if you work hard and you do the work and um, you find some some competitive edges that you can achieve success in a different in a different place as well so it's like success leaves clues but it it also leaves you a path to follow so I feel fortunate that I had Established a significant amount of success in business before our lives turned upside down with the health issues. Because I knew what it took to be successful, I just had to channel that towards health, and then I had to channel that towards sport. And it's all—it's all the same um, basic groundwork, really. Is just determination, persistence, consistency, and. Um, finding those right levers to pull that make the biggest bang for your buck.
1: I love it. And the the question everyone thinks is, okay, if this is the ingredients for success, how can I create that leverage to be able to kind of get the exhaust pipe of the engine moving, you know?
0: I would definitely encourage people to start with Positive Prime because especially if you feel that you've got a something to overcome um, first and foremost or if you feel like you've never really broken out of um mental your own mental barriers or if you keep sabotaging yourself it's probably that you need to retrain your brain and um positive prime is the easiest tool I've ever come across to help us achieve that and that's where I would be starting that would be the best lever to pull to get the biggest bang for your buck to get you started on that path of success.
1: For someone who's achieved success in sport and business, what does success mean in as a term, in your opinion?
0: Mm, well, that's a really good question. I guess I've. Mm, I will give you two answers. One. I have personally always been driven to be number one, and number one in in business in my company, and number one in um, in sport, and so that has been a driving factor for me. But as I'm getting more experience and having um, you know the, the challenges that Sophie and I have have been through, I was prouder of myself on um, on days where I've finally learned a new kata pattern of movements in karate and it had taken me months to achieve it. It it was a it was a big challenge for me at the time. And I felt in that moment more success than I'd felt being number one in my business because I'd had to work so hard at it. And it was a goal that I felt proud of because I'd persisted for so long. So success now means to me something a little different to just being number one. It, it means to me that I've I've achieved something that was challenging because it gets to a certain point. Maybe, you know, maybe success is easy if you're defining it in certain parameters so maybe your capability is more because it's about where um where you're capable of going and pushing through barriers might be what's needed to break through to a whole new level but if you never really stretch yourself and challenge yourself you won't know so to me success isn't defined so much now by an exterior um you know obvious measure now it's for me um okay this has now become easy this particular movement or pattern or this particular set of parameters in my business what's next what is going to really push me so now my success for myself internally has become about what's the next big challenge what scares me what pushes me what's hard for me to do And once I achieve that thing that was hard and it starts to feel easy, that's now how I define success. And I'm finding that that's moving me forward so much faster than the way I used to define it as being the best because just being the best doesn't necessarily mean anything if it's not if it's not giving you a sense of achievement and satisfaction i know that's a long-winded answer but i i hope that gives you a sense of how i feel about success
1: <laughs> no because it makes complete sense because you know we do something think, yeah i'm gonna be successful in this but it comes so easy it's like oh why bother you know or why i do this and but your your point is so perfect because when we're in our uncomfortable zone it's like okay i need to do this and do that and then it becomes comfortable it makes complete sense you know
0: yeah and i've seen people with incredible talent come into both business and sport and everything comes easy to them they you know they build big teams fast and then they let it go and they move on to something else and i always i always think. If only they'd persisted with it, and they would have achieved a, a next level of success. But no, they, they it comes and goes. They come in, it's easy, then they move on. Same in sport. I see some really talented people um, come in, win championships, and then then leave. And. Um, not just in martial arts, that's my eldest daughter's in gymnastics. I've seen some incredibly talented gymnasts, um, you know, young children come in, do amazing things and then leave again. And um, I think sometimes if things come too easily to people, when they do hit a ceiling where, oh, it's a little hard here, um, it feels uncomfortable, instead of pushing through and, and achieving success on an, on that next level, they can just give up and go find something else that's easy to achieve, quick, fast success. And I think that's that's really disappointing to see people that give up when it starts to become difficult. But I see other people, like um, you know, like my daughter Sophie, when she started in martial arts, she'd had a year not able to walk because. Um, of such severe chemotherapy and then a year able to walk but she had the chemotherapy drug she was on at the time was interrupting the brain patterns to her feet so coordination was impossible. It was even a challenge getting her up and down stairs safely even though she could physically move. But she you know, came in, everything was hard for her, <laughs> everything and yet now she's... Um, She's runner-up, national champion in in her division and um, in karate. She's just worked hard to get there. And so sometimes I think success is too often defined by what you're good at and what you find easy. And um, those people are missing the point that success is really about pushing yourself through challenges. And the ones that do can outperform the ones with the talent because they just they just keep working, they keep persisting.
1: Yeah, it's like a phrase I heard a few years ago: "Are you the artist or the ram?" You know, it makes in what you just described there. Is that? Uh, it?
0: Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah. <at> that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, the artist is like, yeah, it comes easy. No, the ram wants to bulldoze, bold, bulldoze through it and make it happen. You know.
0: Yeah, well, I think Sophie and I are both Rams. <laughs>
1: <laughs> in in everything you do, when you get your black belt and your business grows bigger, is is there another goal you want to achieve, or are you just going to enjoy life at the same time and see where it goes?
0: Well, my first focus is black belt. I'd love to represent Australia in martial arts, and I've got still got so much to learn. I'm still such such a a beginner at martial arts it's a lifelong journey but i i would love to represent my, my nation doing that and um in in business wow the, the world's your oyster really isn't it in this new age and um i'm i'm in the process i'm nearly ready to to launch a book um and just so many other goals that i'm i'm looking at now moving moving forward and and new challenges and that's you know that's how I define success new challenges so next challenge is my book and after that who knows I've got a whole list I've just got to decide what's next
1: (laughs) um if if there was one piece of advice or something you could offer to you your family or someone you meet in the street or a stranger what would it be
0: You just have to believe in yourself and persist long enough, and then you can have whatever you want.
1: Wow. And in karate, is there a favorite movie like or a favorite pattern or stance or?
0: Oh, um, I do enjoy the jumping front kick. I feel like if I'm ever attacked, watch out. (laughs) I'll be lethal with that one.
1: And, and Barb, Positive Prime, is there any other routines or tools you do to help you with your practices?
0: Yeah, I have a, a gratitude journal that um, that I write in every day. Um, it's actually a practice we started when Sophie was diagnosed. We called it our glitter journal. And that was the best way I could come to help describe it for, um, for a six-year-old. And... Um, We looked for the best thing, the highlight or the glitter moment in every day and something that we were grateful for every day and I still do that to to this day. And I also have a um, a manifestation journal where I write down affirmations, dreams, goals and uh, I think committing things to paper, there's something very profound about that. Um, and so it's something that I I still like to do every day as well.
1: Wow, excellent. Um, Christine, thank you so much for coming to the show and sharing what uh, I share. It's been fantastic.
0: So lovely to talk with you Aaron, thank you for inviting me..